Welcome to Fandom and Wellness, a podcast about the complex relationship between fandom and mental health. Disclaimer, we are not psychiatrists or psychologists. We are just fangirls with a vested interest in mental health. This episode, we will be talking about Pixar, specifically the portrayal of grief and loss in Up, Big Hero 6, Coco, and Inside Out. Please be advised that we will be discussing the death of loved ones. The focal point of this episode will be on discussing grief within these four movies, not the films themselves, so we encourage you to watch them. They're good. Yes. So, I know we all watched these movies and yes. have all cried during these movies. Oh my god. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's like that meme where it's like, no one, dot dot dot, and then us, let's do an episode <laughs> on grief where we have to rewatch the four saddest movies ever. <laughs> I don't know about the two of you, but I have been a blubbering mess rewatching yes. these for the past two days. I think they all all films do a very good job of portraying emotions, specifically mourning and loss in them. Yeah, and Pixar is very good at that. Speaking of mourning and loss, I I want to preface this saying that I don't personally think I've ever experienced it in my life. I can only speak to what I have seen in these films and... And how it's portrayed and the emotions that I felt watching it when I watched Big Hero 6. I I cried every single time that Hero lost his older brother because his older brother was essentially the person that was the reason he kept going and the reason that he had got his inspiration to want to become an engineer. Um, Yeah, and he... and. They lost their parents at an early age, right? That as well. So such an early age that that um, Hiro doesn't even remember them, really. right? And so Tadashi definitely remembers, yes. And I'm sure that has impacted him a lot, and probably kind of um made he him who he is, and yes, and like inspired him to create Baymax probably, and become such a like a uh a kind of like curing and it's very nurturing. Um, nurturing person, like, with the desire to help and care for others as well. Yes. Yeah, so, like, the um, the impact of losing their parents is very different on the two of them. Just, uh, like, like, I think Hiro probably has experienced, like, frustration throughout his life from just, like, not knowing what it's like to even have parents. I will agree with you on that. I'm sure it must be hard not knowing who your parents are and knowing that they existed within your lifetime and knowing that you were not old enough to make lasting memories with them. And that must have affected him for a very long time because even when you see him, you see the two brothers living with their aunt, Hero's still partaking in very dangerous, illegal activity. <laughs> Right. That I'm certain if he had a parent, a parental figure, and not to say that his aunt does not quite pro- doesn't provide that, but she's running a business by herself and is single parenting. And she also lost her, uh, I think, sis- her either sister. sister or brother. Yeah, right. Whichever one of their parents was related to her, like she lost one of them, and she took on the role of raising them. Yes, and she's obviously still insecure about raising them. And, like, being a parent. Mm-hmm. If, if we want to also talk about the other movies, losing, like, a, a wife is also extremely difficult. Yes. Oh, yes. I, yeah. I hysterically cried throughout that entire opening scene. Oh, my. Yes. Just, like, I also really love old people. Um, <laughs> that would be <laughs> a nightmare for me because I love old people. I love children and I love dogs. Oh so it's god. just like a combo oh platter god. of like, <laughs> um, yeah. But just like watching that opening scene, just watching him like have this like great joy in his life, and then it being taken from him, uh, and then him having to like, I guess like finish out his life without her, and she's like all he's ever known, basically. It is. He Ellie was not only his wife but also his best friend. And it was, they they started out as best friends, or friends that grew into best friends, that grew into partners at a very, very young age. So I'm sure, have, he, I, would, I would believe that she's been with him for around 60 to, she's been with him for around 60 to 70 years now. So 
that's that's a large chunk of your life to spend with somebody and then all of a sudden not have that time with them anymore and part of me part of me kind of understands Carl's bitterness not only his bitterness but his reclusion from the world and how he isolates himself because absolutely she was his world and when he lost her he did not quite it's like he didn't know what to live for they had been saving their entire lives to go to Paradise Falls. And it seemed like when they finally had the opportunity to go, she passed away. And it was like, that was their dream to do together. Yeah, and also, like, their house represents her. And so he's comforted in his reclusion by being in that house and being able to still talk to her. And, like, like usually when he, like when he's talking to the men trying to take his house, he says, like, our house. He doesn't say my house. Right. Like. Oh man. Yeah. So like that. That house is her. Yes. And I will say he doesn't only. He's not only mourning the loss of his wife. He's also mourning. Or maybe earlier on in the film, he was mourning the loss of an unborn child, because Ellie does have a miscarriage during their. Is it a is it a miscarriage or is it that she can't get pregnant? No, it was a miscarriage because she got pregnant. And they were already building in the nursery and she lost the baby. That was a very, that was very heartbreaking for me, especially in the political climate that we're in now where miscarriages are demonized as a woman not, not doing 120% to care for this unborn child. Like, right. That's why. Yeah. I mean, and, and not even that, I feel like miscarriages are something that, that's not, I don't want to say it's not normalized within our society, but it happens more often than than people would think happens. And if there were more people that came forward with their stories, less mothers and less potential mothers or less pregnant people would feel alone if that were to happen or at least know what to expect. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, it's a very painful experience. And I think they do a good job, like, showing her, like, just kind of, like, in, like, a little bit of, like, a depression state with, like, the breeze going over her face yeah yes i've had that feeling where it's like the depression it hits you so hard that like like the only thing you can do or the only thing you can at least just try to do is just like go outside and even then that's just too much physically and emotionally mm-hmm. yeah which like remind which makes me think of sadness from inside out actually how she just kind of represents i mean she represents sadness but like at, at times she literally will just like lie on the ground and have to be dragged right yes that but also when her and joy interact and it was like what makes you happy joy and it was all rainbows and sunshine and all these things and then you go to sadness and it's like well what makes you happy sadness and she goes cloudy weather rain being inside and and those are normal things to experience and want to do when you are sad. And I think it comes, it not to say it's a part of the package, but it's it's something that happens that you should acknowledge so that way you can move forward with. Mm-hmm. Because you can't be happy all the time. And going through sadness or depression or grief are all different stages in our life that at one point or another we're all going to have to deal with. Do we want to talk about the stages? That are shown throughout these movies. Sure. Yeah. Because Coco doesn't really... Coco Coco uh, deals with with like discussing grief in a very healthy way. But it doesn't necessarily deal with like the loss of a particular like person. Right. I mean, it's more about... Well, it's like it's like a cultural thing of celebrating... Mm-hmm. Um, celebrating those that have passed away. And right. acknowledging their life. And the importance and... of actually remembering them. Yes. celebrating them and telling their stories and not forcing yourself to forget them. Yes, and I feel like that's... I want to say that's the case in a lot more Americanized tradition is just, like, moving on and forgetting because in so many other cultures, you have to embrace those that have come before you because without them, there would be no you. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean... <laughs> Uh, it would be, I don't know what word to use, uh, 
ironic if in the afterlife it, there are no white people because <laughs> we didn't because <laughs> white people didn't celebrate their ancestors in oh, a healthy no! life. <laughs> like when watching go go because i'm like damn this culture is cool yeah i, <laughs> Which mean, I, I mean that movie just in general is amazing that movie it, in general is it's amazing. such a beautiful job showcasing that culture yes but mm-hmm. even in my culture which is jamaican culture we have a thing called a nine night mm-hmm. and it's a celebration of life and death with the funeral and all that happens in between it for nine straight nights what's the uh atmosphere like of that it's a very, well, I will say it's somber. It's somber because you're mourning the loss of a loved one. And I've only ever been to one once. And it was when my great grandmother died and I had gone back to Jamaica. Um, and I did not know her very well, but I know my mother, my mother loved her dearly. She was like a mother to my mother because she did grow up with her. Um, but it's somber because you have the procession and then you have the funeral. But afterwards, it's just like, a gathering of friends and family and you it's it's kind of how they celebrate the day of the dead in coco or in mexico in other cultures because you share their stories you talk about the things that you've experienced with them it's just it's a large celebration and also a remembrance of those people when they were in your life i mean white people are raised on guilt and taught to feel to like fear the afterlife so it makes sense that we don't have a celebration, like mm-hmm. a beautiful remembrance day like this. <laughs> yeah. So. And part of me makes me wonder with that. I feel like it's just like a very Americanized thing. Because I, I, I wonder what the culture is for mourning within European cultures that have very rich culture surrounding life and death. Because it feels the, like... In America, you tend to... Like, America is a mixing pot of a lot of cultures, but how much of it is forgotten here? Mm -hmm. And I I say that also within the African-American community because when they were stolen away from their homeland, how much of that knowledge of how they treat their dead was also forgotten. Yeah. But back to... Back to the stages. I was going to say that in Big Hero 6, you see... You see a very well portrayed different stages of Hero's depression after losing his brother. And it's not even, even before that, you saw the self destruction that he had just from not having his biological parental figures around. And then tying into the loss of his brother, he, he's, his self destruct behavior continues. He's still, he's still very angry. He's shown so much disinterest. In school, even though he's been accepted into this college, right? Yeah, he's not eating. Mm-hmm. Like I know that I like I've gone through periods of extreme depression and not been able to eat. Yeah, right. And like, and then it turns into anger, and which yeah. is directed at the yeah, and like a revenge scheme. Right. Yeah, yes. and anger is such, I think, a big part of grieving because people get angry at loss of control right because you can't control what happens to your to to your loved ones and when there's a reason for why someone dies of course he's gonna want to take revenge but in the film obviously you like it doesn't doesn't reverse anything nothing changes I've never lost a daughter or son, so maybe I just don't know. But I, I did think that it was a little bit... I mean, I understand that it's a cartoon movie, but whatever. We're talking about <laughs> grief. I think it's like a little bit unrealistic that the, the professor would be so filled with anger that he would just completely stop caring about any of these students that he did care so much about. Like, Tadashi died running into that building to save him, and he showed no remorse for that happening at all when Hiro confronts him. And like, I understand, I understand that he would feel so angry that he would maybe want to seek revenge on that. Like, uh, I can't remember the businessman's name. Um, I know who, who you're talking about. Who Hiro yeah. initially thinks yes. is the one who like stole his um, microbots. Uh, yeah. Right, but I guess what they're trying to do is portray him as the 
anta- antagonist yeah. of... Yeah, I, I know. I understand that they're trying to pretend as the antagonist, but, like... Like, what can happen when your anger goes yes. too far? And I will say, I do disagree because when you... And again, this is me speaking not from experience because I don't have children, but I feel like he loved his daughter and he would do anything to get her back. And I think he realized his anger got to a point where he could not control whether she came back or not because in her mind, in his mind, she was dead. The only thing he could control was whether he could get revenge on the owner of that company that that created those unsafe conditions for his daughter to have died in his mind, so... Oh, I don't think that he wouldn't want revenge on him. I didn't think that was the unrealistic part. I thought it was unrealistic that, like, that Tadashi dying from him wanting revenge and him, like, being willing to, like, put all of his other students' lives in danger and be, like, fighting them in this way. That seemed unrealistic to me because I feel... Because, like, they are, like, a similar age to his daughter. Villains are never... Oh, never really that logical, right? You know. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And this, this was me thinking. He's only seeing through his anger. He's not seeing through the other emotions that he uh, he is capable of experiencing. So his anger has left him on a single track mind, and is ready to even kill if he must just to get revenge. And I, we we see that in so many. We see that in real life. I'm sorry, I can't think of an example at the moment, but not even in real life, and just so many other films where it's like. Revenge is the focus, and it's like, will it bring you happiness? Not necessarily, but not all villains get the chance to ask that themselves that question or have that question posed to them. So mm-hmm. he's also battling in one of the stages of depression and grief that he hasn't been able to move past with either. Right. But speaking of like having those stages of depression and grief, um, another very what's important that was also portrayed very well within. Big Hero 6 was that he had a support system. Maybe he did not necessarily lean on that said support system, and it took him a very long time before reaching out to them, but he had all of Tadashi's friends. He had his aunt, and they kept, don't want to say they kept tabs on him, but they were constantly checking up and checking in and seeing how he was doing because Tadashi was a best friend to them, probably like a brother, so of course... By extension, they want to also care for his younger brother, Hero, because Mm -hmm. he's not only lost his parents, he's also lost his brother. The only person he, at this point, really has in his life is his aunt, and um, it is a hard feeling to handle, and I will say that I have had that very same feeling, and I've had it over and over again, I've had it several times, and I will say having my family as a support system and having my friends has really helped and i will say is if you are a friend and you see a friend that has to that is dealing with these things or dealing with grief and loss don't stop reaching out to them because not to say you never know what could happen but you reaching out to them is so important and it's it's making them realize that okay there is somebody in this world that still cares about me and mm-hmm. that is a very important and i will say Hero finding Baymax, him finding Baymax at the time that he did, that was like another part of his support system. It was very important. It was very important. And I think as a character, we all love Baymax. Right. He's the best. Um, I do. So like, I don't know about all the movies, but the the two, Big Hero 6 and um, Up, which are the ones that deal with uh, losing a family matter. Or... I don't know if losing is the correct term. I'm trying to think of like the mo- the mo- the most sensitive. Losing is fine. Okay, I've I've been told before that it's uh, that that can actually feel painful to people to to lose that to use that term. So I uh, trying to be um, considerate, but yes, those two movies are the ones that deal with like a death in the family, and both of them have like these moments of closure. Mm-hmm. Which I think movies tend to get wrapped up in having right. because they need the ending to be feel good. And a really important part of losing someone that close to you so losing it, whatever. Uh of a really a really important part of, of grieving is that like you might not have a moment of closure. I actually think that Inside Out deals with that very well because yeah. in the end, Riley's the main character's name, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, her 
her emotions, like the balls of memory, they become like mixes of colors Mm -hmm. because each memory is filled with anger and disgust and happiness and sadness all at the same time, you know? Mm -hmm. And they will always do that. It will continue to do that. Your memories will always be tinged with sadness when it comes to a loved one. Mm-hmm. So I think that's actually a pretty good way of kind of showing that there's no no there's no such thing as closure because everything reminds you of loved ones and any good memory you have of loved ones can be happy but are also suddenly sad. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, like I mean like so like Baymax playing the videos of Hadashi creating him like uh, like obviously he's going through both of those emotions mm-hmm. like sadness and happiness but it's right. also clear that that is when he's getting closure and like in up when he when he's flipping through the book and he finds like the photos of like what I want to do with my life and it's like oh like what she wanted to do with her life was like have this beautiful life with him like that was like him getting closure and then he let the house go but like right. a lot of times when when people die especially depending on how they die like there there is no like here here's this book of me like right. here is this video of me right. here's like you you're just left with these feelings yeah and hero is lucky enough that baymax is almost like a proxy for yeah. tadashi like yeah. because he, it has so much of his like sweat and tears and hard work in in him and like um obviously like the memories that you mentioned before and he's also i wanted to mention that he's also like this like obje- objective observer of uh what hero needs he yes. can kind of fig he's like he's able to like stand back and scan him literally and see what his emotions are and like recommend things but what he recommends are people right yeah and that's yeah a a support system and and hugs very important Um, and hugs but one of my favorite things that i mean one of my favorite things is when baymax learns how to fist bump (laughs) which is like something not in his programming but it's like to me to me, I, like, read that scene as, like, he realizes this is something that made Hero feel, like, a little bit better. Yes. Even if it's just in that moment. And he, like, put it into his programming, and he yes. kept doing it. And every time he did it, Hero laughed, and it, like, yes. cheered him up a little bit. So it's, yes. like, it, it was, like, this weird, perfect, like, moment of empathy. Yeah, that, like, right. He kept, like, this is a thing that the person who is going through pain wants to feel like wants yes to happen and that's what will like cheer them up in this moment yeah no i i 100 agree with you because like a lot of times like when someone is experiencing loss like or grief like you're like so you become so focused on trying to cheer them up right that you like aren't thinking about what their needs are and like the fact that maybe they don't want to be cheered up or like they just want to be heard. They just want right. to feel their yeah. emotions. Yes. And and to piggyback off of what you said about not wanting to be cheered up, there was that scene in Inside Out where Joy and Sadness and Bing Bong are trying to get back to... Headquarters. Headquarters. <laughs> her brain. Yeah. Her, I was like, is it her brain? Where they're trying to get back to her brain and Bing Bong is realizing that she's getting older and will eventually forget him. And and that's him realizing that he's about to no longer have his best friend. And he's he's in a he's in a moment of grieving. And Joy is just like, everything is fine. Just find a way to make this fun again. You'll be fine. Mm-hmm. It's and it's sadness who kind of steps in and is like, Do you want to talk about this? How do you feel? Yeah. And it's let a him really cry. it's a really wonderful depiction of sympathy versus empathy. Yes. Like, yes. jo- like joy is trying to force, literally, joy onto him. Mm-hmm. Right. But sadness is actually giving him what he needs and hearing him. And I love, I love. Um, <laughs> I'm looking at our. I'm just gonna say we write show notes for our episodes, and I'm looking at them, and 
you wrote the same exact favorite quote that I have, which is Baymax in Big Hero 6 saying, it's all right to cry. Crying is a natural response to pain. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah. I, I, say, I say it all the time on the podcast, like, I love crying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big fan of crying. <laughs> like, and it's true. People it's should natural. cry. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I do not cry as often as I should. And sometimes when I you... Cry. I cry enough for both of us, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> when, you, when you try to, like, like uh, bury your emotions, it just comes out an 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 explosion, right? It's Later almost, on, yes. mm-hmm. like like Bing Bong's uh, candy tears. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I love that. Like, like when Hero finally like allows himself to feel his feelings and cry, like his friends don't require an explanation and they don't require an apology. They just Except that what he is going through is very painful. And they're just like, right. we are there for you. Just mm-hmm. maybe don't leave us on a random island again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please and thank you. Yeah, maybe. Like... <laughs> we didn't really ask to be superheroes, but no, we're here now, so. Uh, one of them asked to be a superhero. <laughs> um, Yeah, and like... I guess kind of going from that train of thought, uh, that idea that we need sadness to experience happiness, because that's when we connect most with other people, right? Like, especially when uh, Joy realizes that because Riley was sad, her parents and friends came to cheer her up and give her these happy moments. Um, so so sometimes it helps you bond with other people. And that that in itself creates a happy emotion sometimes. And I was just think I would I read something that said something like happiness is not the same as joy. Because joy is fine is like moments of like, you know, like things yeah. good things happening to you, while happiness is like contentment over time a little bit more. Um so Happiness, having a happy life isn't not necessarily about filling your all of your moments with joy, but about creating a life for yourself in which you are content with where you are and the experiences that you have. I think that's important to note. That is that is an interesting way of putting things, and I guess like when you think about that, it it makes that that does make sense to me because not every single moment in your life is going to be joyous, but. Mm -hmm you can overall have a happy life, but you're still going to experience sadness and not have a sad life. Right. Let's going back to up. Yes. We don't we don't talk much about support system that he creates yes. for himself or is forced upon him a little bit. Ah, um, <laughs> a very forced <laughs> You're um, my friend. You're my master. Like, <laughs> but like he's able to make new memories with a new support system. Yes. Um and they're happy memories. They are joyous memories. A lot of them are scary. Right. Because, but yeah, like I said, happy ha- yeah. So he which is I think a thing that people go through like he basically has to feel like he has permission from Ellie to experience happiness again. Mm. Like he doesn't like really accept uh what's the little boy's name? Russell. Russell. He doesn't really truly accept Russell in his life until after that book. Like until after flipping through the last pages of the book. He doesn't really like allow that dog to be his dog until flipping through the like the end of that book. Like it's like as if he's like to me it almost feels as if he's like like almost like punishing himself. Well, again, a this is bit. Part of his, like, he's recluse. Like, he's excluding himself from, from life because of the loss of his loved one. Or because he's grieving Ellie. Yeah. Like, another emotion that people who are grieving experience is regret, right? And I'm sure he regrets not doing all the things that they could have done together before she passes. she passed away. Yeah, and they show that in the scene where he buys the tickets... Right before she ends up, like, 
I guess, like, basically dying. Yeah. Like, he's like, oh my god, we still haven't done this. Like, I need to buy the tickets right now. Yeah, and that's that's definitely super hard to deal with. That is. And it's not even just Carl that's experiencing loss. Russell is also experiencing loss because his parents are divorced and and his father doesn't come around anymore. He he even says it in the film that his father's girlfriend he called he said he his father's girlfriend told him he bothers him too much to stop calling. And oh, and at that moment I got so angry. And I think it's it's because I am a child of divorce and I have I've grown to accept the situation that that came about and why my parents split, but also understanding that like as a parent, it is your responsibility to sit your child, to care for them, to love them, mm-hmm. to help raise them. And if you feel as though you got a divorce and that's your out, then you're a shitty parent. And I feel like that's what's happened in Russell's relationship because he had this father. He had a father-like figure. He had someone he could look up to. He's even said they would do, they would go camping and fishing and all these things together. And then all of a sudden that experience is lost and he can no longer do that. Like that, like he, he is, he is grieving the loss of his father. He is, he doesn't have that figure in his life anymore. And it's hard to, He's trying to figure out a new normal for him. Yeah, so that's kind of a concept that's touched on in this and in Coco, like grieving someone who's still alive. Because, like, Russell is grieving, like, basically losing his father who he never sees. Yeah. And in Coco, like, they're, like, like Coco herself is, like, going through dementia and she is, like, forgetting her family. And, like, I I mean, I don't know if either of you have had grandparents go through that, but my my grandma did, and it is very, very difficult. Um, like, my, my grandma had dementia for the last four years of her life, and just, like, having this person that you remember in a certain way just, like, totally forget you, and you're, and you still like you and your family so like taking care of them and everything like that it, it's just very painful um so I'm, uh, so I'm sure that the abuela and that like I know like like yeah like she's like going through her like her, the family tradition of just like hating music and not wanting music around but she's also probably in a lot of pain watching her mother forget who she is yeah and then obviously um Coco's father is going through pain because Coco's forgetting who he is and he's <laughs> fading away from the afterlife. Yes. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, it's a it's an interesting concept um, to have to grieve over someone who's still alive. Yeah, I mean, like it's I, Coco's interesting because I f- I really felt I w- was really interested in the struggle between uh, Miguel and his family surrounding the subject of music. Because I'm sure that we all had things that we fight with our family about that none of us, neither of us will budge on, right? Um, And, like, I struggle a lot with my mom about a lot of things, but mostly about her telling me to do things and, like, just my independence, I guess. And so, obviously, I'm much older than Miguel, but um, Miguel is struggling with being told not to pursue this passion of his and he does realize that there's nothing more important than family but his family also realizes that family is more important than the past i guess i don't know it's yeah i mean a lot so a large so like this movie like the like the way that they deal with i guess the patriarch of the whole family it, mm-hmm. Right, um, is by claiming that they want to forget him, right, and that he's not there anymore, and they're doing all these like they're shoemakers now, like they have nothing to do with music because they need to forget him, but that's not what they're doing, right? Like no one's 
Like, no one's actually forgetting him. Like, he can't go back because his picture's not on the, the um, I'm sorry, I can't remember, the mantle. Um, yes. His, his picture is not there, so he, so he is being forgotten because they don't, like, remember stories of him or what he looks like or whatever. But they, the rest of them, like, they, they don't really forget him. They, they're just trying to avoid him. Right. They're like, it's, it, it's not, like, it's not, uh, it's not actually, like, dealing with their emotions no, about it for them it's not a healthy like, way to deal with the emotions there like you're they're avoiding important discussions that need to be had especially yeah, like when, children are going to ask questions yes right if there's a literal face ripped off a picture right <laughs> and i'm trying to say that with especially miguel who has such an interest in music and knowing that his great great grandfather great great grandfather was a musician and he will like because he didn't know who he was, and because the picture was missing, and because the guitar was so similar to, I believe, was his name Ernesto de la Cruz? Sure. Yes. Are you Are you sure? Nope. Definitely de la Cruz. Yes. So because okay. that is the same guitar that Ernesto de la Cruz stole, he then ends up believing that that is his great grandfather, and. And finding a wild goose chase, going on yeah. this wild goose chase to to find him and realizing that he actually was the murder of his actual grandfather, and it's like these are and it's unfortunate that the family did not know that he his father was his their great grandfather was murdered, but it's right. like all of these are questions or things that they could have looked into and figured out like what happened to him, where did he go, but I will say that I am very happy that in the end he does find. His great grandfather, or great great, yeah. his great, his great great grandfather. <laughs> I don't remember. One of those. It's one of them. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, and then, yeah, and in that, like, he gets a form of closure by being able to see Coco again. Yeah. Oh, like, at, like after yeah. she his dies. Daughter. Yes. All these movies with their fucking closure. <laughs> you have. To. It's a movie. Yeah. But. You know what? That's unrealistic that his their family like saw how he, like saw his point of view. I'm like, bitch, my my mom does not. She will not budge for anything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it's because um Coco like started actually telling the stories. Yes. Once he right. played once he played the so- or do you mean the afterlife family? Yes. Uh both. Well, I think that the only reason why the alive family decided to like budge was because coco the matriarch of the family started telling her stories right and so they're like okay like she says this so now we can believe you child (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) yeah yeah and i think that even even mama coco being able to tell these stories of her as a child of her father like the the fact that the family is welcoming and open to believe it shows that shows emotional growth from them listening mm-hmm. to her, but also allowing Miguel to pursue his passion, which is music, even though before they believed that music is what tore their family apart and why they had completely cut themselves off from that to begin with. And I think that's an important thing to acknowledge when you are dealing with these stages of depression and and grief is the emotional growth that will that that happens when you start to acknowledge these emotions and figure out where they're coming from and talk about it yeah mm-hmm. and, and big hero six even like his whole revenge scheme is basically just like a distraction from having to deal with his emotions which like I'm not a fan of telling anyone how they have to deal with their emotions especially someone who's grieving like if they need something to distract them then I think that people people should be allowed to have something that to distract them, but in the end, like your emotions do need to be like thought, like expressed. Yeah. Yes, yes, they, they they do. Just not not even that. I kind of want to say in Inside Out, where Riley kind of has this entire plot to run away. These are still Riley's thoughts. Her emotions are still controlling her thoughts. And it was the moment where she's like, maybe this isn't such a good idea. 
maybe these like I should stay with my family and like that's that's a growth moment because she's realizing that what she was doing was running away from her problems and that was not going to change anything what she needed to do was talk to her parents and let them know how she felt like she even said you guys wanted me to be happy and that is a large pressure to put on a child to say just stay happy for a little while and she like even as an adult to say that to another adult it still is a lot of pressure you might laugh it off you might not take it so seriously but as a child hearing that come from your parent it really puts the pressure on like if i am not happy if i am not in a cheerful mood that everything will go wrong and her yeah. realizing that that's not a good thing and that that's not healthy for her that's growth yeah and her um her parents handle that really well right like they express so they also miss their previous home and mm-hmm. that like her feelings are valid and this move has been hard and so, so like it makes that memory like go from very sad to being also like feeling heard yes right right and it's and honestly kudos to those parents because parents are not always like that (laughs) and i will say growing up and it still to this day like frustrates me and i think about it sometimes is anytime i said or felt how said what i needed or said how i felt it was just you're so sensitive Ugh. Oh yeah, I was called a crybaby all the time. Yeah, and well, that's, not necessarily that's... by my—I mean, by my siblings as well. Not, not necessarily by my <laughs> yeah, parents, but, but... <laughs> I'm like I am the oldest, and it's like I—I I need certain things in my life. Like throughout my entire childhood, I've always known myself to like silence and just like to sit and quiet and have that. And I did not grow up in a silent family at all, and me not ever being able to have that take took a lot on like my emotional happiness so Mm -hmm. when I said I just want to be alone I just want these things they're like you're just being sensitive and and that's the switch where I realized oh my god maybe these people don't really care about the things that I need like they're only making themselves happy not me happy or there is no some yeah some people assume that what you need is what they would need in that moment and that's not true right yeah, so I just, I want to say kudos to Riley's parents. They weren't perfect. <laughs> yeah, and like, and but, like before before she even gets back home, like the three emotions that are left in her head are basically like, we can't get her to feel anything. Like without yeah. sadness or joy being here, without like the full range of her emotions, like being here, like we, like, yeah she's like kind of hollowed out like almost like yes like she's so burnt out on how she's feeling that she just like doesn't want to feel anything anymore and i've experienced it where you just feel empty inside it's like you're not happy and you're not sad you're just like you're just alive like you're just living Mm -hmm. and surviving like those emotions aren't aren't necessarily there yeah and do you want to talk about Carl's emotional growth and up at all? We we did speak to him earlier about his emotional growth kind of came from his closure of finding that book that Ellie left and realizing that he's made a new family. Russell is his new family. Um, Doug is his new family. Yeah. Kevin was part of his family briefly until Kevin had babies and had to take care of for babies. Damn, those babies were cute. <laughs> those babies were cute. Also, I just need to express my my puppies watch movies <laughs> when I do, and they these movies have so many animals in them. They were going out of their minds the whole time barking <laughs> because like, anytime a dog or like a bird or something popped up, oh they my were gosh. like so threatened. When I was watching Up again, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot all these dogs were in here. And there was a brief moment, yep. a brief moment where I was like, oh man, they're all so cute. <laughs> yeah, I had to pause it like many, many times until they stop barking. When they were serving all the dinner and the wine and 
the guy I forgot his name the the um the other explorer was like yeah that's a good wine that's perfect for dinner I was like how long did it take to train these dogs <laughs> a long long time as yeah. someone who has three dogs <laughs> um he but, had like twenty but yeah we were so we were kind of, we were talking about um like what the parents say to Riley and all that stuff like do like can we talk about like I want to talk about like what we shouldn't say to someone who's grieving because I think there's like a lot of misconceptions about what you should say based on like what what Johnny was saying about how like people think that you need to hear what what they think that they would want to hear in in those times I like I said I've never personally experienced this but I did have an old coworker tell me that she hated it when somebody said, I'm sorry for your loss. So I took that as, okay, you know, if one person doesn't like hearing that, then maybe there's a lot of other people that don't necessarily like hearing that. Because like you said earlier, saying I'm sorry for your loss might be triggering to a person. Well, it's like the person didn't get lost, so... That's why, like, I like, what I have read, like, is why you shouldn't really say that, which is why I feel bad that I've said it, like, a bunch of times in this episode. Um, I know I know that, like, in relation to anything that I am feeling depressed about or super anxious about, when someone says, I know, like, oh, I know, I know how you feel, it drives me absolutely up the walls. Yeah. Like, because I'm just like, no, you do not. Yeah. Right. I think when someone says that, it also bothers me. I and that's why I also don't say that. I just say I understand. I don't want to say I know how you feel because I I might not know what you're feeling. Yeah. Everyone feels things differently. But I always say I understand that that and that's just me acknowledging that information and, and or that that emotion that they're feeling. Yeah. So I'm okay, so um so I lost my dad two and a half years ago and um it's interesting because I'm not necessarily thinking about how I don't really care what other people say to me because I unless they have lost someone of their own, I know they don't understand. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Right. So I if you say that you know how I feel and you have lost somebody then that's fine because you have um but like it's i can't it's 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 hard to say that what not to say some to somebody who's grieving because everyone does experience it so differently mm-hmm. and i personally don't i just said i lost someone because i lost them and uh i personally don't mind that but i'm sure other people do so it's a little hard to say exactly but I think as long as you are empathetic and um, genuine, I guess, as long as you are genuine in the way that you express emotion and you're caring and um, just like, it's, there's nothing you can do. I don't know if there's a right way to do anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that, I think that's. That's the thing, like, if you want to be helpful to someone who's grieving, you need to accept that, like, there is nothing you can actually... You can't fix this. This is There's not something no you can action. fix. Yeah, you can take. A lot of times, people will try to help you solve problems mm-hmm. when you're trying to make you feel better. But there is this is not a problem you can solve. It is only something that will pass with time. With time. time is literally the only... Healer? Way, yeah, the only way to heal. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of people are very uncomfortable with having to give someone that type of time. But, yeah. So they try to force joy upon them. I think it's important to ask people what they want. Like, do you do you want a hug? Do you want to go out? Do you want whatever? And then they can tell you what they want, and you don't have to force anything on them. Yeah. And maybe, and sometimes they don't even want, and sometimes they'll just want company like I even had it this weekend like I had been going through a lot and like my apartment 
like you know when you go through depression and you just don't clean and you're not taking care of your place the place you live like I had to reach out to friends and be like I just want people to come over like I don't want you to do anything I just want you there so that way I can clean because otherwise I'm not going to do it and I'm not going to want to do it and that within itself was a hard a hard ask like it's hard to reach out to people yeah yeah um and yeah and obviously like the feelings of depression and and whatnot that like you and I are discussing versus like grieving someone who close to you that has died is very different and like I almost I almost feel uncomfortable comparing them in the way that we are um no. and I I I fully acknowledge that there is no comparison and I I will I I don't I don't have that experience to speak to yeah, we're just talking about the way we process yeah. emotions and the yeah. way we want other people to respond to them. Yeah, um, like I know that yeah. I know that a lot of times. So, like, if someone like Carl, for example, probably would have benefited from someone just coming over and sitting with him. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, not necessarily even talking to him, just like reading a book next to him. Just because, like, that's what he's had his whole life, and it might have helped him like be able to continue on right i think i think we expressed everything we needed to about grief do we want to talk about any of the other anything else related to these movies um bing bong being so empathetic towards riley that he lets himself die so that joy can get back to headquarters (laughs) Uh, <laughs> like, I was uh, like, "Oh no, Bing Bong got snapped!" Bing Bong got snapped. Bing Bong allowed himself to get snapped oh, for man. Riley. That is some empathy right there. I did want to say that one of the reasons I love Big Hero Six so much, and why I really wanted us all to talk about it, I think we all love Big Hero Six. Was that was a Pixar movie that was, I think, probably one of the first Pixar movies that I've that I had watched in a while that was, like, truly diverse. Like, we got a lot of things. We got a biracial family living in San Fran, Tokyo, Mm -hmm. in an engineering school where only white guy was Fred. (laughs) Who's a dumbass. (laughs) Fred was, he served a purpose of being very, very rich and supplying everyone with what but, like, in the movie, everyone is so amazingly cool and intelligent, and they're all well-thought-out characters. Like, And they're, comp- they're like, different. Like yes. They're, yeah. They're all different. There is no single way to be an engineer, to be nerdy, to be smart. Like, And I think mm-hmm. that's what I loved so much about this movie is because when you see in other films there's somebody that's really smart, they're just one personality. But it's the same personality that they all have, and it's that same trope. Where they're like cold and callous and like unfeeling, but they're super smart. They're genius. They're they're one of a kind. And I'm like, we're tired of this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, all, I think Doctor always... Strange. But we're t- <laughs> you mean and Sherlock is his other character that is exactly like that. <laughs> Poor guy's been typecast. But <laughs> but yeah, and I think that's what I love so much about that film. Yeah, I think all of these... Well, I mean, Inside Out... I, don't know, I mean, they're like all like different colors. I don't know what they're supposed to be, but... Uh, the, <laughs> well, yeah. Mindy Calling was the discussed. Other... What? Mindy Calling was discussed. Oh, oh, okay, okay. I yeah. mean, it, it, yeah. Yeah. I won't say um, it had the most diverse cast, but like... <laughs> sure. Um, but, like, Up, like, like, Russell is kind of, like, the main protagonist. Like, Carl's the main character, but Russell's the protagonist. Yes. Right. Russell is Mm Asian-American and a smart one. Kid knows how to use his bus fare. (laughs) But he's like, it'll probably take a hundred transfers to get home. (laughs) Yeah, Coco has no white people in it. A plus. Um, A plus anyway, plus 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 yeah. movie. And I think that's what's so important about these films is because they show 
they not only make it easier to experience other people's culture, they normalize other people's culture because if I have to hear somebody say one more time that being Jamaican is exotic, I'm going to slap somebody. (laughs) But even still, you, you hear this in so many other cultures that is not specifically white or American, that everything else is just exotic. And I'm like, no, it's not. Like, I'm just gonna start calling ethnic white people exotic at this point because, like, yeah. Also, a really great part of Big Hero Six is like they are. It's a diverse cast that doesn't draw attention to the fact that it's a diverse cast. Yes. So it's like, the, like, because a, a lot of times in, I mean, <laughs> I can't say in Hollywood because it's a, a cartoon. But it's a lot still of times, Hollywood. Like, sure, but yeah, yeah. So like a lot of times in Hollywood, like if there is a, like a black lead or an Asian lead, like they have to, like the whole movie has to be about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead of them just being able to play that role. Right. They're allowed and, to just I'm... be nerds. Like that's their role is they're nerds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like. Do you guys have anything else? To, I mean, <laughs> to, I. I so like I mean, also like you'll notice we didn't talk about Toy Story at all, which is Pixar's biggest movie. Uh, What's that? What's up. a Toy Story? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> which does talk about grief, definitely. There are scenes in, um, but against Arquita's wants and wishes we're definitely gonna do an episode on Toy Story I'll still talk on it I'll (laughs) Akita being the only person that I've ever met who doesn't like Toy Story actually (laughs) it's not that I don't like Toy Story it's I don't care about Toy Story oh my god (laughs) okay well guys Start supporting our Patreon so we can do weekly episodes because maybe we're only going to do a Toy Story one if we switch to weekly and I can have a guest on it. If these two don't want to <laughs> do Toy no. Story. We'll still do it. We can, yeah, we can still do it. We'll still do it. So, um, so, uh, so we talked a lot about grief and loss. And uh, if you want to find kind of resources to deal with that, uh, grief and loss counseling are typically local and there's no national hotline as far as we know. But uh, if you are experiencing it, please consider reaching out or having a friend reach out um, to a local place. Um, you can also find a therapist um, on Psychology Today. Um, that's where I've found therapists in the past. Um, you can find a therapist in your area and uh, you can find uh, what their location, their specialties, their qualifications are, um, and even their how much they charge. So that might be a really good resource if you're looking for a therapist and you're having trouble finding one. I need a new therapist, so maybe I will check it out. Yes, yeah. me too as well. Thanks so much for listening. Please take a moment to subscribe, review, and rate us. It's the easiest way to help support our podcast. If you leave a five-star review, we might pick it up and read it on the air. Yep, this week's review comes from Rachel on Facebook. She says, "Uh, I love the easy conversational style about not-so-easy topics. Tell me about it. Um, (laughs) It fills me with good feelings to hear people talk about real problems, real feelings while laughing it's full of helpful tips and experience and not at all judgmental i'm definitely judgmental of other white people on this <laughs> podcast <laughs> i well it's fine but i Rachel's balance you also out. a white person so we're both, she, i guess she also feels the same uh yeah so if you want to chat with us about the episode or maybe suggest future ones i don't know uh, our social medias are Fandom and Wellness on Instagram. Fandom and Wellness on Facebook. And Fandom Wellness on Twitter. And if you want bonus content, please join our fandom family at patreon.com slash fandom and wellness for Patreon exclusive geek sessions. And remember, be kind and take no shit. Hell yes. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Good.